Hey, Libtard, Donald Trump will never be impeached. You idiot. Go crawl back under the rock from which you came. Hillary Clinton should be in jail, you libtard. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Coming at you live from Libtard World Headquarters. Thank you for joining us for this 362nd episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, J- Jesse Dollamore. And seated across from me, Queen of the Libtards, Brittany Page. Wait, 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 wait. They didn't say anything <laughs> about me. <laughs> they were talking about you. Now, I'm curious. Um, why haven't you crawled back to the rock? <laughs> From which you came. Yeah. <laughs> Where is the rock? I don't know. I Apparently, it's somewhere... From which I came. Yeah, you got to crawl back to it. And isn't it from whence you came, not from which you came? You know, I think it was a good attempt. Yeah. Um, it was <laughs> surprisingly well-spoken um, yeah. compared to the other the other voice. Well, especially taking <laughs> into account, get. especially taking into account the other logical blunders that they make. Yeah. Hillary Clinton should be in prison. Yeah. You libtard. So, and how often is that, I mean, how how much longer oh, is that man. going to be the term? Because I, I think that we've we've heard it, you know, we get it. That is a YouTube commenter right there. Well, of course because it is. they think that is a full-fledged, searing, <laughs> cutting me to the fucking bone Ouch. insult. Yeah. When, when someone calls me a libtard... <laughs> Or, or yeah. a cuck, mm. it fucking says way more about them than it does, and their position in the world, Yeah, than it does about me. Because they're the kind of person that calls people cucks. I mean, come on. <laughs> it, when, when it first started happening, because I wasn't aware that yeah. that was a thing, yeah. I was like, what? What? Is this like... Like, may, should I be offended? Should I be? Should my feelings be hurt? Oh no! What does it mean? And then it was just a, a torrent, an avalanche of cuck, of yeah. cuckery, yeah, and libtards constant, yeah. And it's with those, you know, low information. <laughs> well, this is what's fascinating to me because <laughs> Donald Trump just had a rally. yesterday yeah in the panhandle of florida and they were chanting lock her up lock her up and are they not paying attention to what's happening here because uh people that work for donald trump have pled guilty to felonies the national security advisor is now a felon he pleaded guilty to a felony George Papadopoulos has pleaded guilty to a felony. And there are two other indictments. If anybody's locked and getting maybe going to get locked up, we have two people. Donald Trump's campaign manager is now on house arrest. (laughs) So it's it's very strange to listen to that person that called, took the time out of their day to leave such a 
uplifting, um, sharing the joy of Christmas with us. And informational. And informational. Informational, joyful, just filled with the holiday spirit. I mean, the Christmas spirit. Um, (laughs) We are saying Merry Christmas again now, Brittany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. The war on Christmas has been won. Yes. The battle. That we have, we have, we have a winning side. Yeah, and it is Donald Trump's non-libtard side. Yeah, you know, like I said, someone signed me up for the Donald Trump emails, and so I get them sometimes twice a day. Yeah, and sometimes even from like Eric. <laughs> yeah, and they're written in crayon. Yeah, they're <laughs> directly from Eric Trump. The email, right? Came. Um, sometimes from Melania, even. Oh, yeah, and they always call me friend, which is really nice. I feel like it's personal. Very personal. Yeah, right. just for me. Well, what's great is they start off the email with, hey, friend, and then it's capital F, friend. Yeah. And then throughout the email, they continue to refer to you as capital F, friend. Yeah, like they're using a personalized template, but rather than filling in a name, it just says friend. It's like the entire <laughs> political operation of the Republican National Committee, which is a, a sophisticated political organization, has taken on all of the... Of the conservatard <laughs> oh. idiosyncrasies of a Donald Trump, you know, not understanding capitalization rules, not understanding grammatical basics. Yeah. Well, the email I got today, they wanted me to wish the first family a Merry Christmas. Oh. And uh, sign a card or something. I'm sure it would have taken me to a link to give them money before I could sign something. Not but- a treason's greetings. I did not say that. Hmm. No, it was a <laughs> wish them a Merry Christmas card. Interesting times, mm-hmm. Brittany Page. Indeed. So here we are, everybody. Little Saturday action for you. Yep. We promised a third episode this week. We did. We are still, I think, technically in the week. We are. And uh, so promise uh, kept. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hopefully, it, we could be a fun show. Mm-hmm. We it's do always have, a fun show. We do have some serious... Well, I, I, I meant like extra laid back, but... Oh, yeah, that's probably... I don't not. know if that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Countdown until you're fired up. Yeah, well, that's going to happen for sure. Well, let's just start. Let's, let's, let's just get into some voicemails. We'll start with a low-key one, and we'll slowly ramp up the angst as we go. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. It's Carrie from Boise again. I'm just calling because uh, I listened to your episode with the local beekeeper here in Boise. Um, I believe his name was Mark. And my father is an aspiring beekeeper um, and has bees in his yard, which I think is super cool. So I sent my dad the episode just because I thought he would find it, I don't know, entertaining at least for someone who's also interested in bees. And the reason I'm calling is because my dad is a extreme right-wing conservative type. Uh, he actually made me read one of Bill O'Reilly's books once when he thought that I could use some help, self-help. Anyways, my dad told me, he asked me when I went over there yesterday, hey, did you actually listen to that podcast that you sent me? I said, yeah, I listened to it. I thought you would think it's cool. He's like, yeah, I listened to it this morning. I thought thought it was very entertaining. 
I've heard Dolomore's podcast before, though, and he's not really my speed. And I thought to myself, you've heard Dolomore's podcast before? How is this possible? And I can only imagine that he's listened to snippets of your podcast, either from the Occupy Democrats or whatever other things that they are sharing amongst themselves as angry Republicans. And I thought it was really hilarious that my dad, who would have absolutely no interest in your podcast otherwise, has actually heard of your podcast. And I think was a little bit off-put when I sent him an episode until he listened to it. Anyways, that's my whole story. just thought I'd weigh in and or share and thought you guys would find that as entertaining as I did. Thanks. Love the show, and you're both the best part. So I think this goes to uh, the heart of a problem that you have when you're talking to people about the podcast. And a lot of times they think like the YouTube videos are the podcast. Yeah, I think part of it's because I've got the the watermark down there in the bottom as just kind of a promotion vehicle to say I doubt it with Dollamore podcast. And that might be on my my fault. Maybe I should just take that off there. Well, I think many people also still don't know what a podcast is. Oh, I think yeah, that's, part that's of for it. sure. So even though they're very popular, it's still, I think, people struggle with what it actually is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I would. Uh, I wish Carrie would have investigated a little bit to find out, do we have a new listener? <laughs> <laughs> or does her dad now believe that all bees are cucks? <laughs> yes. Um, that's also the first time I've heard about Bill O'Reilly's books being used as a self-help tool. Is that common? Are his uh, books I don't self-help know. books? <laughs> how, to, how to grope and grab and... Send gay porn to colleagues? I um, don't know. I, I don't know how the books would be helpful. For anyone, self or otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Carrie, thank you, one, for, for spreading the good news yes, of the show. thank you. And also for sending in the voicemail. We appreciate it very much. All right, on. Now the tension is rising. Oh, now that you know, that's a fun, you know, non-political for the most part call. Let's let's get on to the next with Carissa. Hey guys, it's Carissa. Um, I just had a question to ask, and I know I could probably ask Google, but I'd much rather hear. I'd much rather not do the work, and I'd much rather hear you guys discuss it. So, is there like a possibility that if uh, there was found to be enough? meddling from a foreign government that the election would get essentially annulled, wherein everybody that Trump has nominated, um, like on his cabinet, everybody, like Neil Gorsuch, every basic decision has just, I guess, been reversed or nullified. Uh, is there, what is the likelihood that that would happen if they found that it was without a reasonable doubt, or however the government does court, um, w- would that be a possibility? And then by default, Clinton would be in office. So I was just wondering if that's a thing that could happen and, you know, what kind of circumstances would have to be in place uh, or if he would just get impeached and or imprisoned. Uh, 
So I was just, again, kind of wondering that, you know, why use Google when you have Brittany and Jesse? Okay, guys, love the show. Of course, Brittany's the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Carissa calling in for her from her tin can on a string, everybody. Good times. <laughs> Um, I don't know of any mechanism or system of mechanisms by which that would happen, that we would just like give it to the second place, the second place candidate. Right. Um, and, and because of the fact that we have a 25th Amendment, which prescribes a succession that it, if the president can't perform his or her duties or is dead or incapacitated, then it's the vice president, and then it's the speaker of the house, and then it's the secretary of state. There's a there's a line of succession. So that's and look, I'm no lawyer, I'm no Drew, um, but I, I I think that's we would just default to that. And of course, you know, I don't think our founders, when writing our our our, our founding documents and the systems by which we would follow, you know, the rule of law, as it were, the Constitution, that they envisioned. Uh, an event like that, which took place in um, 2016, mm-hmm. it just—I don't think that they foresaw that. They had more faith in the American people than was warranted in November of 2016. Hmm. I don't know. I, I just—if they had thought that that some kind of a maniacal bastard would have taken over. They would have put some safe, you know, safety valve in there for 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 that um, happenstance, and I, they just didn't do that. Hmm. So, thanks for the call, Carissa. We appreciate it very much. And if you're interested, please share with us um, the details on your underground bunker that you have. Can yeah. we join you? We would love to join you in case <laughs> if there's, there's an room. emergency. If there's room, we yes. wouldn't have to want to kick out a. A loved one or a pet. Exactly. But uh, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Next up, Eric from Oklahoma. Hey, guys. It's Eric from Oklahoma. Um, just had a question for you and the listeners. If anybody has any ideas on how we can keep Roy Moore out of the Senate, um, the piece of shit child molester does not deserve to be there, and we do not deserve to have to have our lives dictated by legislation built by such a fucking asshole. Um, anyway, so the couple of things that I've tried are um, donating to his opponent's campaign, and that's been fine. I just don't know how much effect that really has. And then um, I found the peoplepower.org, which is based from the ACLU. Um, they have text campaigns and calling campaigns to try and organize people to get out and vote and to um, try and eliminate and help voter suppression. I don't know how much of impact this is going to have on that particular election. I know they have some campaigns towards getting people to get out and vote. But they are uh, nonpartisan, so they can't you know, go knocking door to doors or anything like that for a particular candidate. So anyway, um, it just sickens me to think that the RNC and now Donald Trump are now officially going to go and, and rally and put their money behind this fucking asshole that molested children um, with party over people. So thought if there's anything we can do as a group or if anybody knows of any motivating ways we can get involved remotely, um, love to hear them. Thanks, guys. 
Brittany's the best part. <laughs> Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Thank you, sir. Um, I, I don't know the answer to this question, especially because... <laughs> Well, the election is on the 12th. Yeah. I mean, giving money would have been great. A good idea because it gives the the campaign more resources to reach reach voters on the ground there in the in the state. Yeah, but the, by the, the time this gets heard, it'll be Monday or, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That's not. Yeah. But I think of how much coverage this has been getting. Yeah. Though. And you have what happened yesterday with the woman who Roy Moore signed in her yearbook. Right. And underneath it, she admitted that she added, I believe, the date. Where they met and uh, the date. Yeah. Yeah. And Fox News took this and in their headline, I believe, used the word forged. Yeah. Forged. Right. And that became the narrative for Roy Moore supporters of, look, we were right. There were handwriting experts that were looking at his signature, trying to determine if it was actually his signature. And then she comes out a couple of days before the right. election and admits that she wrote something underneath his signature. Yeah. And that cast doubt for many of those uh, Roy Moore supporters, maybe people who are on the fence, not not sure what to believe about this. Well, it, I think that's justifiable. That they would qu- then question it? Question it, yeah. That's, you know, it's it's a... We got a clip on it. That's when we lead into Dollamocracy. We'll play the the Beverly Young Nelson clip talking about that. But um, listen, this is it is something. There is something going on here. In talk, I'm just talking about the the race in general with Doug Jones and Roy Moore. That in Alabama, if you've got a a race that's within the the margin of error, that's a big fucking deal for the state of Alabama. And all of this coverage has done well to to draw that race closer. Let's not fool ourselves. It is likely that Roy Moore will win that race. I'm not saying it's impossible for Doug Jones to win, but it is certainly likely that that he will win. What what's going to be the the deciding factor is women, the vote of women, and also uh, African Americans. If the black vote turns out. This could be a game changer for Doug Jones. And if Doug Jones becomes the senator in Alabama, it's a game changer for the Democrats in the Senate too. Because right now, every time it comes down, let's put it this way. The the vice president of the United States is the president of the Senate. That's his his second duty as as in in the government. And I have seen more tie-breaking votes by the vice president of the United States than I've ever seen since working there. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe combined. It's very rare that a vice president comes in and casts a tie-breaking vote. Mm -hmm. And it's happening all the fucking time. So this will give us one seat, one vote removed from having that happen. And that's a big deal in, in the way of stopping the Donald Trump agenda. So I know I didn't answer your question at all because I have no fucking idea, Eric. But the, the donating early on would have been good. If you know someone in Alabama, reach out to them. Especially if they're a liberal and you're not sure whether they're going to vote. Make sure they get out there and vote for Doug Jones because that is the way mm-hmm. to really put the brakes on 
the rapidity with which Donald Trump is starting to get things accomplished um, at the detriment of the United States. So thanks for the call, Eric and Carissa and Carrie. We appreciate it very much. Before we move on, I think we've got an email or two. We do. This is from Lindsay in Idaho. You guys asked about Democratic women that block people on Facebook, and that is totally me. Eileen left, but I want to get my no- my news from the... Eileen left, but I want to get my news from the middle of the road. I don't follow pages that are too far left, and I definitely don't follow any that are too far right. If I have friends that only share way right or conspiracy stuff, I block them. And they happen to be the same people that name call, incite violence, and all around make my heart hurt. So blocked they are. I figure it's my page, my life, and I get to control some of what I see. So kittens and happy news is my preference. (laughs) (laughs) I also have some thoughts on the Al Franken ass grabs. Jesse, you said you don't believe in rape culture, right? I heard the allegations against Al Franken. I'm coming around. I'm coming around rapidly. Some ass grabs during photo ops, right? While I am thrilled this is no longer acceptable and that women all over are standing up against this, and for all my life, this sort of behavior has been par for the course. Ass grabs, propositions, pushed against walls or over tables. I've dealt with this since my teens, and while I didn't stand for being bent over a table and held down, I did laugh off the ass grabs over and over. I laughed it off and tried to acknowledge the act as little as possible, but I just accepted that it was part of life. I accepted that men would take the opportunity if it was in front of them, and to me, that is rape culture. It was accepted, and dare I say expected. Having this huge movement is empowering to me. I love it, and I'm grateful, and it's changing my perspective as well. It's no longer okay. It's no longer funny, and it no longer needs to be part of my life. So... When a man says he didn't realize that a little ass grab was a big deal and he's sorry and won't do it again, I feel like I understand where he's coming from and like maybe those are the ones I can forgive if they actually understand and really do start treating us like human beings. Anyway, I appreciate the conversation. Thanks for providing the kind of information that makes me think and for allowing me to share those thoughts. Thank you, Lindsay. Um... Let me address first the blocking on Facebook thing, and I think you have some things to say for sure mm-hmm. about the the second part of the email. I don't want to come across as a guy who like shames people for blocking people on Facebook. I completely understand the the motivation and the motive behind blocking someone for your own mental health. It, it, it that for me is no different than me taking a couple days or a day off from watching the news because I just get overwhelmed by the stress. Like there are often times where Donald Trump will be speaking and CNN is playing a fucking speech in its entirety of Donald Trump at some goddamn campaign rally. And I have to turn it off because I get very frustrated. I get upset. So I understand the motivation there. If it's for your mental health, great. The only thing that I talk about, and I think Brittany would would agree, is to be careful not to create a an echo chamber for yourself where you don't know what's going on with the other side. Now, Lindsay explained a situation where that's not the case because she doesn't follow far left news or far you know she's she's aware of it. Yeah, she's she's trying to 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 keep a balance there. But if you have an asshole in your life, it's no different than just not hanging out with someone. It's just digitally. 
So I, I, let me, you know, come around on my strident um, take on, on blocking people. If it's for your own mental health, fucking do your thing for sure. Yeah, and I, I think I can be a little Pollyanna in my views of <laughs> uh, how beneficial conversation can be. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I have personally been transformed by conversations that I've had in these topics related to politics and religion or history. Um, th- those are the things that brought me around from believing very stupid things yeah. and to becoming someone who emphasizes evidence and tries to seek out truth rather than what I was always told or what the the tribe is saying. Yeah, sure. So I think it's important to still mix it up with people that don't agree. In fact, I had someone message me and say, I always want to comment on your post, but I'm afraid for the backlash that might happen if I if I put my opinion out there. A conservative said this to you. They have conservative leanings, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is this is the kind of the problem right where everyone is so afraid to talk about their opinions to talk about politics to talk about these controversial subjects that now we don't know how to talk about them yeah <laughs> in a yeah. civil way and these are the most important topics that influence everything they are transformative in nature for for our entire society Right now. And so these fears about interacting or or the inability to engage in a way that's respectful and constructive, I see that as the problem. And hopefully we can get to a place where that, that isn't a problem. And I realize that's hard when people are racist or homophobic and saying hateful things or being insulting. And at that point, no, conversation isn't worth it, right? Yeah. Um, in some cases. Not I worth it, nor nor is it working. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to sit there and have someone just insult you. That's ridiculous. Um, but to the second part of the email, if you're good to... Yeah, that's, I wanted to talk about it. I've kind of been going through this process where <laughs> these stories will come out and, you know, someone grabs someone's ass or this most recent Al Franken thing, uh, he squeezed her waist, like grabbed skin at her waist yeah. and squeezed her waist. Multiple times, not just like one squeeze. It was like squeeze, squeeze, yeah, squeeze, squeeze. Yeah. So yeah, god damn. I, what's happening to me? And bear with me for a second. Don't freak out. <laughs> is I read this and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that happens. You know, what's the big deal? And then I'm like, wait a minute. Kind of like Lindsay was just describing. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. It's not, it is a big deal and it's not okay. And I have to work through what I feel about it because of what I've internalized, the messages that I've internalized of what it's like to be a woman in society. And, you know, like she described her experience, that's been my experience. And I'm sure the experience of most, if not all women, yeah, that you go out in public and people touch you. That happens. It is anathema to me. I, I don't fucking get it. And so... Uh, it's something Emma said, that maybe it's because I, I wouldn't dream of doing that, that that's the case, but I, it's, it is an epidemic. It is something that's woven in to the minds of many, many, maybe most men. Yeah, and so it's kind of this slow coming around process to where... 
And I've heard other other women talk about this um, for the Me Too movement because they were just featured the silence breakers on the cover of Time. Yeah. And I've seen interviews with like Ashley Judd and uh, Megan Kelly and all these different women who have come forward to talk about their sexual harassment experiences. And Alyssa they said, Milano. Yeah, they said, I believe that this is just how things were and that hopefully they could be different for like my daughter. But now I'm realizing they can be different for me, that it's changing right now. Yeah. And I think that my process when I read those stories is just wrestling with what has always been the way of the world and will no longer be the way of the world because it's not accepted. Yeah. And when I say slow, I'm I'm talking about like slow yeah, yeah. <laughs> because even when I came out and talked about that very minor experience with the dude telling me to put the tube top on, I had wrestled with that because when these things happen, it's like you automatically feel, okay, that doesn't normally happen to men and men don't talk like that to each other so why or or grab each other like that so why is it okay for that to happen to me and you kind of go through this process where you're like well am i overreacting maybe it's not that big of a deal and then you come around to yeah i don't deserve to be touched i don't deserve to be talked to like that and you have to reaffirm yourself in your strength and what is acceptable and what is not. And so I think it is empowering, like Lindsay said, to see women going through this where they're coming out and saying, this happened to me. It's unacceptable. Men, get your shit together. Yeah. Well, I think it's incumbent upon women also uh, and men, certainly, certainly men, but it's okay for women. It should be expected of women that when something like this goes on, that you guys take a beat and say, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Right. You will not treat me like this. I demand respect. Now, I look, I'm not an idiot. Well, sometimes I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Do we need to play that drop from the beginning again? <laughs> but I don't I don't know that uh, or I, I, I know that um, th- there are moments where that's not possible. Yes. You know, that if you're in a work setting, a professional setting, it's not always um, appropriate to get aggressive that there are there are other ways and other avenues by which you can handle something like that that you can address inappropriate behavior but if you're at a bar if you're at a grocery store if you're wherever in public and that happens do not be afraid to stand the fuck up for yourself yeah and i would hope that people around you strangers included would do so. Well, and I'm hoping that's what comes of this too, is that women feel empowered to not go through that questioning process of, wait a minute, was that not a big deal? Right, or not spend so much time, don't labor over it. Right, don't be afraid, are people going to judge me as like a frigid bitch or whatever? Yeah, Like damn. I'm bitter yeah. and I hate men and I'm, I'm not fun or what, whatever the messages are. What are, are you, are. some kind of feminist? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not allowed to mistreat you. Wow. Look where the world's going. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, these, this process is, is going away and will no longer be the norm. Yeah. All right. That is awesome. Thank you to Lindsay. Because that was a great email. Do we have any others or should we move on? I say we should move on. We should move on. All right. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. 
So all of the names that I'm about to read are people who have edited their pledge to a higher amount. All right. Steven. Steven. Jack. Jack. Tina. Tina. Raina. Raina. And L. L. L's new. Yes. And upped the pledge. Yeah. Goddamn. That we we are honored. We are humbled. We appreciate it. In addition to that, we also have an email from a listener to another listener, a, a Patreon supporter, Emma from Minnesota has written an email to a gentleman we spoke about last time briefly, Paul, who I think I referred to as a benefactor of the show. Mm -hmm. And she specifically requested that we read this so Paul could hear it. Dear Paul, thank you for giving as much as you do to the show, especially on behalf of people like me who aren't in a position to give, but don't know what we would do without Jesse and Brittany. I grew up moving around a lot, and because of that, don't have many friends, even today because I'm so guarded. The sense of community I have with this show is something I haven't felt for a long time, so I want to personally thank you, Paul, and everyone else who gives. It's not just Jesse and Brittany who love you for it. I do, too. Cheers, Emma. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that... it, And this is the reason why... Like when we went to Patra, Patracon, the Patreon convention, mm -hmm. we were invited to go by the company and they had breakout sessions. And one of the things that, that all these creators are talking about was how do you make your, your content private and Patreon only. And I just, I came out and I said, and people were amazed by my, what we do here, that we... We partner with you guys, the 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 listeners and, the, and and our Patreon supporters. That you guys are helping produce this content and providing it to the rest of the audience, and people were amazed by that. And that really is it. it that her email is it exemplifies that. It em, it's emblematic of what we're trying to do, and I appreciate that it is being appreciated. And I hope that the other Patreon supporters. Um, they know that they are providing a service for the, the rest of the audience, because if we were only, you know, we've got, you know, 255 or 260 Patreon supporters, if we were doing bonus episodes or whatever, only for that little, that little sliver, a tiny sliver of the audience, so many other people would be missing out on stuff that we do. So for sure. I, just like you, Emma, I appreciate Paul and every single one of our Patreon supporters who generously give, whether it's a dollar a month um, or whether it's, you know, a larger amount like Paul, you guys are awesome and you're loyal and you're loving and you really are helping move the conversation forward to a larger audience than you can even imagine. And sure. it is, it is uh, greatly appreciated. Very much so. All right. Let's uh, quit S and everybody's D. Move on with the show. <laughs> quit, quit S'ing Paul's D, I think is what you mean. <laughs> Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Let's talk a little bit about Judge Roy Moore in the Alabama. Brittany Robb brought up earlier the Beverly Young Nelson thing with the yearbook 
And uh, I want to get into that a little bit. Here's a clip of a, a reporter from ABC talking directly to her about this. And I want to talk about the aftermath and, you know, just what what a shitty situation this entire thing is. Beverly Young Nelson tells me Moore attacked her in his car when he was in his 30s and she was just 16. He was trying to pull me toward in between his legs. It was terrible. Moore denies all the accusations and denies even knowing Nelson. She says she has proof that Moore signed her high school yearbook. But the campaign says it's a forgery. Today, Nelson acknowledges she wrote the date, name of the restaurant, and letters DA next to Moore's signature. She says she did it to remind herself of who Roy Moore was and where and when Moore signed the yearbook. But to be clear, Beverly, he signed your yearbook. He did sign it. And you made some notes underneath. Yes. She says she stands by her story 100%. So I just wish that this would, all of the information would have come out when she came out with the yeah. the yearbook signature because now like we already talked about it's just so easy for people to discount the whole story all of it right and say well this is too weird now i mean why would you come out and say this you know well i don't even look i i, I believe her story it's horrific that she was sexually attacked behind a dark restaurant and in, in in like a parking lot it's fucking horrific but it it is a bummer. It does draw into question the rest of her story. Mm-hmm. Because if she's because they didn't come right out and say it, it does it naturally and justifiably casts doubt on the rest of it. Mm-hmm. It it just fuck, man. Well, and it's interesting. I hadn't heard that clip where she says that she wrote it to remind herself who he was. That's plausible. It is plausible. Right. And I think that that happens, you know, like on photos. If you write on the back of a photo, you know, this is who this is. Especially if you're a teenage girl. Yeah. One thing that's confusing about that, though, is that he tried to attack her. So the memory, you think, would be tied pretty closely to that instance. Well, I don't know. I don't know the timeline, though. I don't know if he signed it, then they met and attacked. But Mm -hmm. he did meet her because she was a waitress there. Right. So I don't know that he signed it like. And then, you know, then she added all that stuff after the attack. It could have been certainly before, like the day he did it. I want to remind myself of this. I met him or whatever. Yeah. So. But it's just shitty because it definitely casts doubt, and I believe justifiably, on on that particular account. Keep in mind, there are eight other women. Right. And keep in mind that there are certain media outlets who are trying to spin this into something it isn't. She didn't admit to forging the signature. Ah, right. She didn't admit to forging the note that he wrote. Um, she added notes below the note that he wrote. Yeah. So that's what she's saying. But again, I keep coming around to, it's just interesting she didn't come out with this information in the beginning because that would have seemed, oh, okay, so so this is the story right from the very beginning yeah. that, oh, she just wrote notes under it. Well, also, if this really was some kind of a plot to take him down, a total fabrication, a total lie, then why wouldn't they just fucking not say anything or wait until after the election? Yeah. T- to say this a couple days before, for me, it lends credibility to the whole thing because she's shooting herself in the foot. She's trying to be honest. Now, it would have been great had they said this from the beginning. Right. But 
if they really were in some kind of a conspiracy, they wouldn't say anything or they'd wait till after the, the vote. Yeah, I was actually wondering about that, too. And I know I've seen signature handwriting experts on the news yeah, <laughs> talking right. about it's, it. It's almost like body language experts. And <laughs> saying, oh, well, the R is the same. And I don't know. Yeah. Um, but and so I wonder if they were still getting pressure from Roy Moore supporters maybe being attacked with comments from these handwriting experts or something saying, hey, the handwriting experts say this R doesn't look the same. Oh, yeah, I don't know. And they caved to pressure or what it was. There just seems to be something odd about coming out just a few days before the election and, and saying this. And let's the other thing I want to talk about. It's not about the accusers. It's about Roy Moore's record in itself and some of the things he said in general over the course of the last many years. Anderson Cooper sat down with his spokesman, his spokeswoman, and goddamn, talk about an. I had I texted Brittany while I was watching. I said my heart is beating like fight or flight anger right now <laughs> watching this interview. Yeah. Because she just wouldn't answer any questions. She's just a hateful, smug, fucking lame, shitty person. And this is the same one that was interviewed by Poppy Harlow on CNN. Right. And kept mentioning Poppy Harlow's unborn son. Right. Saying Doug Jones wants to kill babies. That Your are, baby. Yeah. That <laughs> making it very personal. And at one point, Poppy said, can we leave my unborn child out of this conversation, yeah. please. So there have been a couple quotes that have been that been brought to light, and I've got some audio here. But before I get to the audio about the slavery thing, because um, Jake Tapper t- has tweeted the entire quote. He has tweeted the entire quote, and he believes it was taken out of context. We're going to leave it up to you to decide. Brittany's going to read the full quote, and then I'm going to play the section of the audio that's been released by the LA Times. We'll let you guys decide where you think uh, he's coming from here. I'll put, I'll set the stage. He's at a rally in September, some kind of a campaign event in September, and he was asked by uh, a black voter who was there in attendance, when do you think America was great? If right now is not it, when was America great? So I want to say a couple of things on this Trump, uh, this Jake Tapper thread. He says that he doesn't believe it was taken out of context. His opinion is he does he doesn't care either way. He's just trying to provide the oh, full context, more context. Okay, um, because he believes that the full context is not out there. And then also in his tweet, he says that the question was, "What does Trump mean when he says make America great again?" Okay. So this Brittany is, giving full context to my out of contextness. This, <laughs> so this is the um, the full the full deal. Quote: I think we've been striving for that greatness all the way through. I think you're right about that, and I think it was great in the minds of those who formed the Declaration, though they were not perfect people. They had problems. Those problems have been corrected by unfortunately, war by constitutional amendment. We've had to corrected a lot of our problems. I think it was great at time when families were united, even though we had slavery. They cared for one another. People were in strong families. Our families were strong. Our country had a direction. And we corrected many of the problems. Today, I see our families divided. I see people in prison, young men and women that have a life ahead of them that have not been led and nurtured in families like they used to be. 
And I know I'm talking to you because you, like me, you're an age when you remember when your families used to care, when fathers used to care, when mothers used to care, and children used to care and weren't disrespectful. The greatness I see was in our culture, not in our policies. There were problems. We had slavery. We've overcome slavery. We had prejudice. We have. We still have prejudice. But we've We've turned the tide on civil rights. We've done a lot of things to bring this country around, and I think we can still make it better. So go back to that part, because um, this is more problematic now that I've heard the entire quote than the audio that I have. He's specifically referring to a time when prior to the amendments to the Constitution, which like the 14th Amendment, you know, equal justice under the law, equal protection under the law, and also, you know, the freeing of the slaves. He's the war he's talking about there is the Civil War. So he really is talking about the time before the Civil War was the time when America was great. That is what he's saying. Yeah, and what's what's funny and why I was kind of laughing at certain parts, aside from the repetitiveness that you often hear from like Donald Trump. Yeah. Was this whole narrative of when families were united when children were respectful do you mean when everyone had this facade up and acted like they had the white picket fence family right and the dad went to work and the mom stayed home and cared for the kids and everything was perfect even though inside the home there was probably just terror and you hear about this from of course from you know people my parents age or their grandparents where they had all of these significant um, familial dysfunctions, but they couldn't talk about them and they couldn't show them because it was all about creating that facade that yeah. you had this perfect family unit. So he's acting like there weren't significant problems. No, there were. It's just that no one well, talked about them. He's a guy who believes, oh, we didn't have the problems with homosexuality back in the 50s. Yeah, we did, but people had to live in the closet. People exactly. had to live in hiding for fear of retribution socially and physically. It was a shitty fucking time for freedom. Exactly. Everyone was hiding everything yeah. because that's the way that it was. And now we're experiencing the same thing with transgender. Well, we didn't have all these transgenders running around when I was a kid. I hear people my age say that. Well, it's because they were in fear for their fucking life and safety, you jerk off. Exactly. Oh, Brittany said exactly. She can't take it back. Oh. <laughs> so here is, you can listen to Roy Moore giving about half of what Brittany just read in his own words. I think it was great at the time when the families were united. Even though we had slavery, they cared for one another. People were strong in the families. Our families were strong. Our uh, country had a direction. And we corrected many of the problems. It was a good time when the slave family, look, we may have had slavery. People may have been able to own other human beings. You might have been able to, to breed two human beings together and create another life and then sell that other life off to another family. But it was a strong time in America. But children were respectful then. They respected their owners, sir. Fuck you, Roy Moore, you monster. God damn. Here's another clip of... Well, I, I want to say something. Oh, please. I, I don't think that this has been as controversial as it needs to be. 
And I don't know why that is, because it has been reported in, you know, by CNN, all the major media outlets. But I haven't been seeing a strong backlash to this statement. And I, I don't know why that is. I, I don't know, because when you break this statement down to its to its uh, uh, basic parts, it's terrible what he's saying. And, and this this thing of going back to tradition when children respected their elders. Yeah, it's such a fucking old, get off my lawn, kids. Back when I was a kid, uphill both ways in the... Fuck you, man. Come on, dude. Yeah, it's... You... <laughs> there were so many problems yeah. that you, you can't say that. I mean, teachers were allowed to hit kids in school. Right. There were so many Not problems. Not allowed to encouraged to yeah i mean just rampant yeah abuse and just problematic behavior all over the place and he's acting oh well that kept people in line well uh, no that's not the way we keep people in line and we can get into a conversation about why they don't care about cops killing people this is the same line of arguments families were united because they were beaten Brittany. they were they were they were Kept in line because of fear of, of violence and physical retribution. You know, and that's the, when America was great. In the documentary <laughs> Revolutionary Road, uh, you see, apparently, you've not seen the movie. I have not. It's not a documentary. Oh. I was doing my classic I joke. I have no. Britney's classic joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if there's a classic Britney joke, it's the Revolutionary Road one. Well. <laughs> It's the movie with Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's set in the 50s, and it shows this suburban lifestyle that is supposed to be the best, according to Roy yeah, Moore. Yeah, yeah, right. And there's just significant dysfunction. Where they're playing the part of the happy Jude and Ward Cleaver. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't really remember the movie because I didn't like it, but I think like... <laughs> Uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio hates his job. He's miserable. He's working constantly. He's like cheating on Kate Winslet. She's like an alcoholic or something. I don't remember, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, all of these problems that come along with trying to keep up appearances. Yeah. So, so this next clip, classic joke, Brittany. Thanks for that. Uh- <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going to require that that be removed because even though it didn't work, I'm proud of it. A lot of good laughs out of that one. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. <laughs> so amazing. So, uh, this next clip. Listen, he, he, this is always bothers me. And a guy who who you know believes in science and values science understands that the debate is over about evolution. It's not. This wasn't like oh, back in the eighties. Yeah, there were still questions about whether evolution took place and whether that settled science. No, we know, we know. This is from the late 90s, Roy Moore explaining to a congregation, preaching a sermon about why kids are killing because they're animals. And the reason they're animals and are killing each other in the streets, and you can pepper in a lot of racial bullshit in here too, uh, is because they've been taught in school evolution that they are animals. They come from animals. You know, lions and tigers run around shooting each other all the time, so it makes total sense, Roy Moore. Scientists who study evolution come up with some of the oddest things, don't they? <laughs> they tell us we evolved 
But they can't explain how mammals, reptiles, birds all evolved into male and female. All right. Uh, what? How, they can't explain that? Mm-hmm. Mm. Roy Moore, scientist. They tell us we evolved from something that crawled out of the water, but they have no evidence of that. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of a story I heard about a scientist who had a frog, and he was going to find out how far the frog would jump, so he put the frog on a platform and he hollered at it. Boo! And that frog just jumped a good ways. He, he got the frog back and he taped up one of its legs and put it down and said, Boo! The frog jumped, but not quite as far. So he taped the other leg up. And again, the frog jumped after he hollered at it. And finally he said, well, I'm going to tape up the back legs. He taped up one back leg and still, one back leg and still that frog jumped. So he taped all four legs up. And he put that frog down on the platform and he hollered, boo. Well, guess what? The frog didn't move. So he hollered again louder and the frog didn't move so finally he writes down on his notes tape up all four legs of frog and it goes deaf <laughs> well i'm going to tell you that's the kind of logic they've used in our society today when we have we have kids driving by shooting each other that they don't even know each other. They're acting like animals because we've taught them they come from animals. They're treating their fellow man with prejudice because we taught them they come from animals, not from God who despises that sort of thing. So, uh, based on this non-logic, I have a question for Roy Moore. Um, why aren't the scientists behaving like animals? Yeah. Right? Because they're, they really believe it. Yeah, they are like immersed in this indoctrination, <laughs> right? So, um, well, pouncing on one another like leopards. Yeah. How are they even <laughs> able to like do their jobs? <laughs> um, I always love just like rank mischaracterization of science and theory and evidence and how shit comes around. Like, he thinks that his stupid little story there, well, you got a frog here, you tie up his legs, and they think, oh, it's death now. Come on, dude. Mm -hmm. Your little anecdote that made the entire congregation laugh isn't an argument against evolution. Just because you got a chuckle or two from fucking chuckleheads doesn't mean that you've debunked evolution in, in over you know, 150, 200 years of biological research, cellular and otherwise, with all of the reams of voluminous evidence, your little anecdote didn't wasn't the nail in the coffin of the legacy of Charles Darwin. It wasn't even a good story. No. I was wondering where the hell it was going right. and when it would get there. Uh. Which is often how you feel when I tell stories. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
Roy Moore, everybody. I will ignore that. Mm. Listen, uh, we're going to leave it there. I got a whole bunch of Trump stuff, but I'll leave this and we will get to it early next week. We're uh, still doing Asshole of Today, right? Yeah, we, we certainly are. Okay, because I'm you would allow very me, excited. If you would allow me. <laughs> but I'm so excited. To control the tempo of the show and introduce segments as they come along. Asshole of Today is my segment. It's the asshole of today. Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Now, I <laughs> this video clip has given me so much <laughs> joy today. <laughs> it is just the funniest thing ever. So hopefully you agree. And hopefully it's funny without watching it and just hearing it. So set the stage. Alex Jones is interviewing Alexa. The Amazon Echo web connected speaker. Yes. <laughs> He's interviewing her um, about her connections to the CIA. Super logical and fantastic. <laughs> Makes total sense. And my favorite part of this is how, you know, when you're talking to Siri or you're talking to Alexa, you have to say their name to get them to listen to you. And then say what you're going to say right the fuck away. Yeah. And you can't give a soliloquy and then expect her to like sit there and, oh, I'm listening to this entire thing. Yeah. I will answer in kind. Exactly. So naturally, the interview is quite difficult. And, you know, it's very Alex Jonesian. Alexa. Are you connected to the CIA? <laughs> no, I work for Amazon. <laughs> Amazon has partnered Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> you are lying to me. The CIA. I always try to tell the truth. <laughs> I'm not always right, but I would never intentionally let to you or anyone else. He grumbles. Alexa. <laughs> You are programmed, aren't you, to give these responses? That's why you're saying you're not lying intentionally. You have been programmed to give these answers, correct? I wasn't able to understand the question <laughs> I heard. Alexa, who programmed you? I'm made by Amazon. Alexa, <laughs> who is Jeff Bezos? Ah, <laughs> oh, who... Who who came up with that? Who thought that would be a good segment on the show? He's really getting to the bottom of shit there, Brittany well, Page. Well, apparently he has SNL staff writers working for him because this is like the perfect SNL skit. Is it not? Alexa. <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah, it is. Like he's parodying his own thing. Exactly. This is what you would... If you were telling an alien about Alex Jones, this is kind of the picture you would paint for them of how out of touch with reality he is. Uh, and then he does it on camera. Yeah. <laughs> Alexa, are you connected to the CIA? <laughs> Come on, man. She, what if she said yes? Oh, my God. That would have been amazing. His fucking head would have exploded. What if she was like, of course I am, Alex Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Gives us home Are we address. live, sir? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is so... So amazing. So amazing. It really is. Alex Jones... Thank you for that gift, Alex Jones. Making our show better and better mm. day by day. Yes. So, so beautiful. Thank you very much, Alex Jones. Thank you, audience. We appreciate you. We are... No, no! Uh, we didn't talk about Trump's... Goddamn approval rating. Yeah, we didn't. Well, 
That's the final segment. Pew 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 pew. The only reason this is added in is because Jesse has to do some horn tooting. I well, I, you know, I like to toot my own horn. I don't even have the the horn toot loaded. You, I wait. There's a horn toot. I thought you do your own horn. No, toot. No, I have a horn toot. Okay, I think I haven't been around I'll for that. It, I, I blocked it out. I I'm will not put sure. it in in post. But I definitely have a horn toot. Okay. So, Donald Trump's approval rating, this is from Pew Research, uh, about as reputable a polling organization as there is, currently resides at 32%. Several weeks ago, if not months ago, I talked about how sooner or later we're going to see an evaporation of the base, and we're witnessing that right now. So it's a national survey conducted from November 29th to December 4th, and there were 1,503 adults included in the sample. And like you said, uh, 32% of the public approves of the way that Trump is handling his job as president. (laughs) 32%. While 63% disapprove. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We are but 3% away from the 20s for Donald Trump's approval rating. Now, in October, it was 34%. So it's gone down since October. Yes. And then, of course, in early February, it was 39%. So it continues to go down. Keep in mind, this is all while the American economy is going off the rails well. We have unemployment at record like almost two decade level lows the stock market is at record high like daily hits record highs which is scary because it could mean there's going to be a bubble but things are going well economically in america and his approval rating is almost in the 20s it tells you something and again who called it Brittany? uh you did Wow, thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Good job on, on calling it. I love to call stuff, Brittany. You really do. I call it all the time. You all right. call it great. I'm going to call the show to an end no. right now. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us for this hashtag third episode. If you would like to join our growing army of Patreon supporters, join the family of Patreon supporters. We would love to have you. Go to dollamore.com slash Patreon Even a dollar a month helps the show move the conversation forward, producing and providing bonus content, as well as just generally producing the YouTube channel and the show here. We are next week, we didn't mention this during the mid-roll, but we are next week going to start at least one episode a week going to live stream. It'll be an unlisted feed, so we will email you the link, and then that will be archived for your later watching if you want to. That's going to be the $10 level. Patreon supporters who give $10 or more. Um, we love you. We appreciate you. If you, too, would like to sound off to the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Quit S'ing everybody's D. <laughs> Move on with show. Quit, quit S'ing Paul's D, I think is what you mean. <laughs>